Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you. I'm Pastor Tom. I'm pastor of Fellowship here at Rockbrook, and it is a real honor uh, to be with you to get to uh, deliver the message this morning. Uh, we're in a series called Getting a Grip on Life, and we're looking at major themes out of the book of Proverbs. We're looking at things like your work, uh, your time, your words, and your relationships. And today we're going to focus on cultivating my relationships. You know, everybody needs friends. It's part of God's plan for your life. And how do we know this? Well, if we start where friendships begin, we, we look at the Bible, we, we realize it all begins with God. You know, the Christian view of friendship is taken from the fact that God is a Trinitarian uh, uh, God, a triune God. And there's one God He's in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's in the Trinity that we see that God has, in his own essence, in his nature, he has love, communication, and community. Another way of saying it is that God has friends and God is a friend. And this is what separates the, the God of the Bible, the Christian God from many other religions. Many other religions would say that God was lonely and he created us. But God already has perfect, loving, relational friendship. He has community in, in himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So also, as we read the Bible... After God created everything and he put man on the earth, he said everything was good except for one thing. There was one thing that he said that wasn't good, and we find this in Genesis 2.18. God said it is not good for man to be Oh, good. Thank you for not leaving me alone up here. So clearly, God wants us to be in relationship. He wants us to be in community. He wants us to have friendships. The Bible says we were made in the image of God. We were made for relationships. We were made to have a relationship with God, a relationship with ourself, knowing our identity, our purpose, having relationships with others, and having a relationship with all of creation. And you see all of these relationships in the Bible, in the very beginning, in Genesis, working in harmony with one another. And then the fall happens. And all of these relationships are now broken. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to restore those relationships. And it's important that we understand that we need others in our life. We cannot truly grow spiritually without other people. And we say here at Rockbrook all the time that discipleship happens in the context of relationships. You know, I want you to think about the people in your life that helped you to become the person that you are. Your parents, family members, teachers, doctors, bosses, co-workers, counselors, 
pastors, good friends. So as we talk about friendships today, we need to recognize that friendship is something that you cultivate. It doesn't happen, uh, it doesn't happen automatically, uh, or it's not accidental. And the Bible says in Proverbs 26, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly loyal, truly reliable? And that's a great question. Where do we go to find truly reliable friendships? Well, there are four physical spaces where we can cultivate friendships. And you'll find these in the life of Jesus also. The first space is our public space. This space contains uh, 20 or more people. There is little uh, to no personal interaction in the public space. There is usually one person or event that is the focal point of this space. An example of this space might be the grocery store, right? That's the focal point. I'm going to the grocery store. There's all kinds of people in there. Big space, but I don't really know anybody. Probably not going to interact with a lot of people there. A sporting event, a concert, or even church, right? Here at church, uh, we sit you in rows. Right now, you're looking at the back of somebody's head, and so you really can't get to talk to them, get to know them. You know, we're only here for an hour, and then the next group comes in. In the New Testament, we see Jesus attracting and interacting with crowds of people. Jesus had a public space, but we learn that from that public space, he moved people into this next space, which is our social space. And this space is a gathering of 5 to 20 people. Most people in this space will know your name, but they're not likely to know much detail about your life. And it's in this space there's usually a facilitator or an activity that the group focuses their attention on. Discussion is encouraged in this space. This space is designed to getting, for, to getting to know other people. An example of this space might be uh, the break room at work or a study group at school, uh, a training event with coworkers, or attending a conference together with a group of people. You know, events here at church would be um, growth track, or foundations, or a newly formed small group. And Jesus had a social space of his own, and these would be his disciples, uh, specifically his 12 that he traveled around with. That was his small group. And then there's our personal space. In our personal space, there are usually two to five people present. The people in this space know more than just your name. They know some details about your life. And this space is filled with uh, uh, close friends and peers. And in this space, the group is face-to-face, eye-to-eye. They don't need any one person, facilitator, activity, or event to cultivate this friendship. Everyone is comfortable enough to share. Uh, They can share freely without any embarrassment. Again, again, examples of this space are a park bench, a road trip, a kitchen table conversation over a meal, uh, small small groups that have been meeting um, probably more than a year are going to fall into this personal space. You know, when Jesus went to the garden to pray before going to the cross, He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he asked them to pray for him. 
And then we have our intimate space. In this space, there's only one, maybe two people here. This is probably a spouse or a person of the same sex. They know more than just your personal business. They know your secrets. They know you better than anybody else in any of these other spaces. An example of this space would be uh, being at home with just that person and nobody else is there or a romantic or private dinner with them. It's a secluded space geared to a very personal and intimate conversation. You would call this person family. That's how you would treat them. And Jesus had his own intimate space. Uh, In this space, it contained his beloved disciple, John. So as you notice, Jesus moved people from the public space to the social space, and then to his personal space, and then the intimate space. And, and he, he picked those disciples, and then he narrows it down to the, the beloved disciple, John, plus he had God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But um, these spaces are all interconnected. We need all of these spaces to cultivate truly reliable friendships. Public spaces like church give us the opportunity to identify close friends with whom we can spend time with in our social spaces and then invite them into our personal and our intimate space. God wants you to choose healthy spaces for cultivating healthy relationships. In Proverbs 12, 26, it says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. God cares about the kinds of friends that you have. So the first part of cultivating friendships requires that you put yourself in the right healthy spaces that have potential to finding truly reliable friends. And the second part of cultivating friendships is the ability to attract the right kind of friends. Let me say it this way. The type of friend that I am is the type of friend I will attract. The type of friend that I am is the type of friend that I will attract. You know, can you make bad choices that affect, uh, attract the wrong kind of friends that will harm you? Yes, you can. Uh, You have probably uh, known and seen people that wasted their life because they attracted the wrong kinds of friends. You know, how many athletes, uh, entertainers, business leaders, politicians have you seen lately that their lives imploded because they chose to hang with the wrong kinds of friends. And maybe you are like me, and you experience this personally. You know, I, rem- I remember that uh, I, when I thought I had friends. Uh, but they were friends as long as I wanted to party hard, as long as I wanted to do foolish things, as long as I wanted to stay out all hours of the night. But once I became a believer in Jesus Christ, I discovered they didn't want to hang out in healthy places. They they weren't interested in helping me live a healthy lifestyle. And I thank God and I thank this church and I thank the godly people in my life, life that helped me to realize early on in my Christian walk that I had to sever ties with some of those friends. And I had to cultivate new friendships, healthy friendships. You know, Pastor Ryland in week one said that uh, Proverbs warns us not to associate with certain kinds of people. Uh, He said, it says, don't um, associate with the simple-minded, with the foolish, with the mockers. 
You know, the book of Proverbs gives us six marks of a real friend. So if you build these characteristics into your own life, you'll attract and cultivate these kinds of friends in your life. And by the way, these six traits that we're going to talk about will also help you to have a great marriage and a great relationship with your kids, your parents, and, um, and, and whoever you come in contact with. So let's look at the first mark of a real friend there in your outline. One, I must be committed. I must be committed. Nothing shapes your life more than the commitments you choose to take. In Proverbs 18.24, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, a man of many companions. Is it wrong to have a lot of friends? No, it's not wrong. But the point he's making here is simply this. You can't be committed to everybody. And he's saying you've got to focus on quality, not quantity. And when it comes to having truly reliable friends... Uh, you need to understand that um, it's, it's quality, not quantity. You know, can you be popular and not have any close friends? Yes. You know, Facebook has convinced us that a friend is a click of a button away. And so if you're spending all your time trying to impress people in that public space, you're not ever going to cultivate deep, truly reliable friendships. Friends need to be people you can count on, not be counted. And here's that same verse in a different translation. Proverbs 18.24 says, Some friends do not last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. You know, loyal means committed. Friendships begin with commitment. How many committed friends do you have? You know, is it okay to have a lot of friends? Yes, but you need some committed friends and loyal friends. And more important, you want to be the the kind of friend that you want to attract. So I'm going to ask you some questions as we go over each one of these. Who are you committed to? Who knows that you are committed to them? You want to be the kind of friend uh, that you want to attract. I must be committed. And number two, I must be considerate. If you uh, really want to know who your friends are, uh, just make a mistake. You know, a friend will never say things like, well, I told you so. so. Well, I knew this was going to happen. How could you be so dumb? What a stupid thing to do. Okay, well, maybe your friends will tell you that, okay? (laughs) But they're going to tell you that hopefully not in the moment. They're not going to kick you when you're down. Hopefully your friends are considerate. Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling, on, but dwelling on it separates close friends. That is a very powerful verse there. You know, when we forgive, what happens? Love is abundant. It's plenty. It's overflowing in our relationships. You know, how many broken relationships, strained relationships with friends, families, marriages just need a little forgiveness? So that love will abound. You know, love brings dead things to life. That's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus rose from the grave and out of his love, out of dying on the cross, he makes us dead people come to life. He gives us a new life in him. Love 
makes dead relationships come alive. We just need to forgive. Real friends are good forgivers. You know, and we're, I'm not saying that they're blind. They see your mistakes. But they're willing to forgive you. If you want to have friends that are considerate, you need to treat people the way that you want to be treated. So here's your question. How forgiving, how considerate are you to those around you? And then number three, I must be confidential. So let's review here. I've got to be committed. I've got to be considerate. And I've got to be confidential. Let's look at this next verse, Proverbs eleven thirteen. It says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. So the question you need to ask yourself here is, can you keep a confidence? Listen to this. There were three friends who were out fishing one day, and they decided, hey, let's share our, our greatest sin, the thing that we struggle with the most. And so one guy started, and he said, I'll, I'll start. And he said, my problem is greed. I love money. And the second guy, he said, uh, my problem's lust. I can't keep my eyes off of other women. And the third guy said, my problem is gossip. I can't wait to tell everybody. <laughs> you know, I think this trait, uh, confidentiality, is what has allowed Rockbrook to have such a strong small group and celebrate recovery ministry. Confidentiality in those ministries are taking, taken very seriously. And in step one, become a member, you find out that confidentiality is a high value for this church. Gossip destroys relationships. So how confidential, how confidential are you? You know, are you known as a gossip? You know, a friend is one who can listen without having the burning desire to go out and tell everybody about it. Number four, I must be candid. You know, a true friend they're going to level with you. They're going to shoot straight with you. They're going to tell you the truth even if it's painful. And this is very important because all of us have blind spots. I know I have blind spots. And I need people in my life who will say, Hey, Tom, I think you're blowing it here. I think you need to go in another direction. And Proverbs 27, 5, 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds of a friend can be trusted. You know, I've discovered most people do not have a friend at this level. We don't have anybody who says, look, you're making a mistake here, and I'm telling you this because I love you. You know, have you, do you have anybody like that in your own life? That's what friendship is all about. We need to have people that are committed to us, uh, who are considerate, that they'll, they'll, they'll forgive us. You know, they can keep a secret, they're confidential, and who are candid, people who will shoot straight with us. Now, let me give you some rules here for being candid. Number one, you never correct a person if you're not open to correction yourself. Number two, you correct when people are up, not when we're down. We talked about that. Don't kick them when they're down. And then number three, you compliment in public, and you correct in private. You compliment in public, and you correct in private. And then number four, come with solutions and walk with them through resolution. You know, don't just tell them what they're doing wrong. Give some suggestions and help them take a next step. And that leads me to 
uh, the fifth mark of a real friend. Number five, I must be constructive. You know, most people are unaware of how much influence they have over other people. You know, you are shaping everybody that you come in contact with, and vice versa. People are shaping you for good or bad. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You're either healing the people around you or you're hurting the people around you. Your spouse, your kids, your parents, your friends. You know, I knew a guy that was just a total jerk to his wife in front of people. And I remember someone asking him one time, you know, why are you so mean to her? He said, well, I like to tear her down so then I look good when I build her back up. Well, guess what happened? She eventually left him. A good friend, a good spouse is constructive. They encourage people. They lift up our spirits. And that's why the Bible says it's important that you choose the right kind of friends. You know, I would encourage you to read the 31 chapters in Proverbs. And again, you're going to discover, it's going to say, don't hang out with these kinds of people. The simple-minded, the foolish, the mockers. You know, friends shape friends. You want to know what your future looks like? Take a look at your friends. Here's the real test to see if you're a constructive friend. How do you handle your friend's success? You know, when they get to do something you don't get to do, they get to buy something that you can't afford, they get a promotion at work, you know, do, do you um, celebrate with them or do you get jealous? You know, a real friend will let you talk about your victories and they won't think that you're bragging about it. They're not going to put you down for it. So the secret to having truly reliable friends or a great marriage is that we need to be enthusiastic about each other's accomplishments. You may be the only person in your friend's life that's pulling for them. You know, if you learn to get excited about other people's successes, you'll have all the friends you want, trust me. And then number six, the last trait here, I must be consistent. I must be consistent. Inconsistency destroys friendships. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. The verse says, at all times. You know, if you're consistent, you will always be a friend, even when it's inconvenient, even if the person doesn't deserve it, even if it's going to cost you something. So the question is, are you still there when everyone else has moved on? You know, I think one of the real barriers to friendship is busyness. We're so busy. We don't have time to develop any close friends. You know, we we need to work on cultivating face-to-face, not FaceTime relationships. You know, I think as, as a society, we are letting social media distract us with the illusion of friendship versus the demands it takes to cultivate truly reliable friendships. You know, in, even, when we are with, even when we're with people, what are we typically doing? We're looking at our screens instead of face-to-face and eye-to-eye. That's what we need to do. We need to put our screens down and look at our spouse, look at our 
our kids and look at our, our friends. You need to move your relationship from comments to one another to communion with one another. You know, and I'm not saying online relationships are bad at all. As long as you can move some of those friendships from your public space to your social space, and then from your social space to your personal space, and then perhaps into your intimate space. God wants you to have friendships, close friendships, that build you up and not tear you down, that encourage you spiritually. God wants you to be a consistent friend. The type of friend you are is the type of friend that you will attract. It's the principle of reaping and sowing. So how consistent are you? Now, I don't know about you, but as I was preparing this message, there were all kinds of people that came to my mind. And I thought, wow, Tom, you've blown it. You weren't a truly reliable friend. You know, I didn't measure up. But then there were also other people that came to my mind and I felt they had let me down. But here's the deal. Like I mentioned before, we're broken. And we all need help being a good friend. And the good news is God is a reconciler. He is a cultivator of relationships, of friendships. And all of our friendships need Jesus to be the center of those relationships. And it all starts with our friendship with Jesus. These six marks that I talked about today are the characteristics, the traits of Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says Jesus is our Lord. The Bible says Jesus is our Savior. And the Bible says he is our friend. Let's look at this verse in Romans, Romans 5, 6 through 11. It says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were, while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Wow, that is powerful. Jesus made us friends with God. And these six marks are the way that Jesus Christ treats you and me as a friend. He's committed. So much so that he went to the cross he died for us. He shed his blood for us. He's considerate. He is forgiving. He understands that we've blown it. And when we ask for his forgiveness, we are forgiven instantly, permanently. He's confidential. He keeps a secret. He's candid. He tells you the truth in love. Why? So he can set us free from our sin. And he's constructive. He builds us up. He doesn't tear us down. 
He doesn't condemn us, and he's consistent. He says, lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is a truly reliable friend, and he shows us how to cultivate truly reliable friendships. So to be a truly good friend to someone, it starts by cultivating a friendship with God. So how do you become a friend with God? Well, you just ask him. You commit to him sincerely, wholeheartedly. And you say, Jesus Christ, I want you to be my friend today. You know, just tell him. Admit it. You've blown it. And he will forgive you instantly, right there on the spot. Just tell him, you've been, I've been an enemy of you for years, and I just want to be your friend. You know, tell him you want to follow his ways. That you want to, you want to work these six uh, traits into your life. You want to be that kind of person to other people. And he'll help you to do that. So I want to encourage you that if Jesus is not your friend, that today you would ask him to come into your life and be your Lord, be your Savior, and be your friend. Most of you have already made that decision to be friends with God. And at Rockbrook, we want to help you to cultivate friendships with other people. And we have spaces to do that. So I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, to join a small group. In a small group, you're going to meet one, two, three, or more people that you can get to know, and you'll know their name, and you'll start to know a little bit about them. And it's not too late to get into a small group. We just started our small group semester. Most of our small groups have started, just started meeting. Some other options would be to get into our foundations class. Uh, we're um, hosting one during the next service, and then on Tuesday. You can jump in at any time. Um, and so I would encourage you to do that. We sit you at tables, and you'll get to meet other people from Rockbrook. Consider going through Growth Track. At Growth Track, you're going to meet some of the staff at Rockbrook. You're going to meet people on our Growth Track Dream Team, and you're also going to meet other people that are going through Growth Track with you. But maybe you're saying, hey, Tom, look, I, I can't add another friend to my plate. I, I've got a lot of friends. Um, well, I would encourage you, if, you don't have, if you're not in a small group, you don't have a small group, to turn those friendships into a small group. Turn what you're already doing with your friends into a small group and cultivate an environment, a healthy environment, where you are all growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I heard a statistic that over 65% of the people in our community are not interested in going to a church building. But guess what? We can take the church to them because the church is, the church is people. The church isn't steeples. So I want to ask you, who in your public space, your social space, your personal space, or private space needs Jesus as their friend? You know, do you know the spiritual conditions of the people in those spaces? You know, what kind of friend are you if you know Jesus and you don't share him with your friends? You know, if you had the cure for cancer and you had a friend that had cancer and didn't share that with them, that would be a tragedy. We need to share our friend Jesus with other people in our spaces. 
One of the most important things you could do for somebody is introduce them to Jesus Christ. You know, once they're a friend of Jesus, then I bet they're going to be willing to come to the church's building. You know, most of the people that come to Rockbrook are here because somebody took the time to cultivate a a relationship with them and invite them to church. So who have you invited lately? Who are you um, cultivating a relationship with that you can invite to Rockbrook? Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I praise you and graciously thank you on behalf of those that have asked you to be their friend and for those that are still uh, on the fence or maybe rejecting you. And I praise you because regardless of how we feel about you, you are committed to us. You're considerate, you're confidential, you're candid, and you're consistent with us. And for some of uh, us, you are our eternal friend, and we thank you for that. And for others, Father, I know that you desperately want to be their friend forever. So we shout for joy the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. He has shown us in your word how to be a truly reliable friend. He lived it out perfectly, Father. My Heavenly Father, if there is anyone in this room today that is alone, and afraid of where they stand with you, would you right now, through the Holy Spirit, help them to know your presence in their life? Would you give them the power and courage in this moment, this day, to ask Jesus into their life so they can live a life no longer afraid of you, an enemy of you, and they can live the rest of their eternal, eternal life with you forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.